Hey guys, thanks for joining us today. One of the things that energizes our teams the most is being able to hear stories of lives that are impacted by this ministry. We would love for you to share your story with us by emailing it to stories at newcommunity.co or maybe your next step to getting connected to what God is doing in this ministry is partnering with us financially. You can do that online at www.newcommunity.co or through the PushPay app and find the giving option that works best for you. Thanks so much for tuning in and enjoy today's message. Well, good morning, church. I hope you guys are doing good this morning. And I know many of you have been out the past few weeks traveling for the holidays, and so it is good to see you back. And if you're our guest this morning and you're starting off 2017 by checking out New Community Church, I want to just extend a special welcome to you and say thanks for worshiping here with us this morning. And I'll start by introducing myself. My name is Aaron, and I am the lead pastor here at New Community Church. And we're glad that you're joining with us. We have been in this series called Step Out. And we've been walking through passages in the Bible. We've been um, in some of the historical books, so some of the older books of the Bible. And we've been walking through the life of different people and looking at how God has challenged them to step out. So some of them, it was their insecurities, it was fears that they had. Some of them had um, a horrible family history and it was their past. And God was challenging them and has been challenging us through their life to step out and to step out into God's plan and God's purpose and to see God's power at work inside of us. And so we're continuing that series this morning by looking at the life of a man named Nehemiah. And this morning, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. We're going to be talking about this idea of of God challenging us to step out into prayer. Step out into prayer and see what God wants to speak to us from his word um, as we look at this. Now, I know in a room this size, we come from different backgrounds. And even if you're watching online this morning, um, you may have been raised in church. You may have not been raised in church. And there's a lot of different types of churches that you may have come from. And so as we talk about prayer this morning, um, I kind of want to make sure that we're all kind of starting at the same level, kind of the same foundation as we talk about this idea of prayer. Prayer simply is this, it's a conversation that you have with God, okay? So it's the conversation that you have where you're talking with God and where you're listening and you're seeing what it is that he wants to say to you and and there's different types of prayer and um, based on the background that you come from, if you were raised in church, um, you may have come from a mainline denomination where prayers were read, where when you came into service, there were certain prayers that you would repeat and they were kind of written down and others of you may come from churches where you just kind of prayed what was on your heart. Some people um, in some churches, whenever you go to pray, you always kneel down. So if you come from some of those churches, maybe you expect when you come in here, there's little kneelers or kind of padded areas that you kind of bend down on whenever you go to pray. And other people, they stand up when they pray and they walk around. We, we all come from different attitudes of prayer that we may have, you know, different postures um, that we pray and there's no wrong way to pray. Okay. So there's not a better way if you stand up or sit down or kneel down or any of that. Um, you know, we can pray for the wrong things. Maybe we could pray with the wrong motives or the wrong attitudes, but, but there's not really a posture that the Bible gives us, okay? Um, prayer is simply this conversation with God. I remember when Sarah and I were, um, we were getting married and we were engaged. Sarah was a nanny for um, a family. And they came from um, 
a Catholic background, and so it was the first time I had ever been in Catholic services. Um, all growing up, I attended churches like this, and so it was kind of different just to hear their liturgy and the prayers that you would repeat and those type of things, and kind of um, sitting down at different points, you know, standing up, all of those different things. It was, it was unique for me. And um, the little kids that she nannied, they were a part of our wedding. My dad officiated our wedding. And I can remember at the end of this ceremony, my dad um, asked everyone before he pronounced this as man and wife, asked everyone um, to stand up and to pray with us. And my dad's a pastor, so when he prays, I mean, he gets after it, you guys. He's passionate. And so my dad begins to pray, and his volume goes up, like tears are coming down his face. I mean, he's praying God's blessing over our kids, over our grandkids, and he's getting pretty loud while he's praying. And this little boy that Sarah nannied, um, the, his name was Tommy, he nudges his mom during the middle of my dad's prayer, and, and he looks at his mom and he says, hey, why is Aaron's dad so mad? And she's like, he's not mad, what are you talking about? And he's like, he's yelling right now, he's yelling at them. And I don't know if it kind of scared him, and she said, no, that's just the way they pray, they pray kind of differently you know, than we do in the Catholic church, but he was super passionate about that. And, and once again, there's no right or wrong way to pray, you can pray um, at a louder volume, you can pray more quietly, but it's this conversation that we have with God. You may have never thought about this, but there's actually different types of prayer. We see as we read through the scripture, we see different ways that people pray, and there's a conversational prayer, and we see that at different times where people are just talking with God. It's not like you're really bringing a request or you have a certain need that you're asking God for. It's just this conversation. You're inviting God into what's going on in your day. Hey, God, this is what's happening. This is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm going through. And you're talking with God, and you're listening for his response. And we see times in the Bible where people had a conversation with God. We see other times all throughout the Psalms, there are these prayers of thanksgiving where people are declaring how grateful they are and how thankful they are to God for what he has done. And so there's prayer that happens as we give thanks to God for what's taken place inside of our life. There are prayers of petition. And that's where maybe you're sick or, or um, something's going on. You have a financial need. You have a broken relationship, something. And you're petitioning God. You're coming to God with the need. God, here's what's going on in my life, and I need you to show up. I need you to do something. There are prayers of intercession, which may seem like a different word, but that's simply where you're stepping in for someone else. You know of a need in someone else's life. And you go to God and you're not praying for yourself. You're actually praying on their behalf. You're interceding for them. You're kind of stepping in that middle and asking God to show up in a supernatural way and meet a need in someone else's life. And so there are different types of prayer. And this morning, as we hear this challenge to step into prayer, as we look at this new year, I want us to look at this pattern that we see in the life of Nehemiah. And there's a way that he prays that can be helpful to us and can challenge us as we step into prayer. And so um, if you have your Bibles, turn to Nehemiah chapter 1. We're going to start reading at verse 1. If you didn't bring a Bible with you this morning, that's okay. There's a Bible in the seat in front of you, and you can take that out and turn to page 226 in that Bible. And I want to encourage you to do that. You can follow along with us. And if you don't own a Bible, you don't have a Bible at your house, um, take that with you. That's our gift to you. And we want to encourage you to open up God's word daily, and especially as you start this new year, to make scripture a part of your life and allow it to shape your life. So once you have that Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1, hold on to that for just a moment. And in case you're unfamiliar with what's going on at this point um, in the people of God's history in the nation of Israel, I'll quickly catch you up. Um, the people were living in the promised land, and we've been talking about different kings and queens that were leading the people, some of them good, some of them very bad. 
And there was this pattern in the people of God. Um, they're not that different from us where there were times where they would say, God, you know what? It seems like everything is going good. You know, we're not having a lot of problems. Everything is going well and we're prospering. There's a lot of money. There's a lot of food. God, we think we've got this on our own. We think we've got this figured out. We don't really need you in our life. And the people of God would go and they would worship false gods and false idols. And they would tell God, hey, we don't really want you in our life. We're going to do this on our own. And God would say, okay, if that's really what you want, if you don't want my hand of blessing, my hand of provision, then I'll let you try to do it on your own. And other nations would come in. And during the time of Nehemiah, another nation, um, the Babylonian Empire had come in and had taken them and carried the people off. So it wasn't like they were living in their own land as captives. They were exiled. So they were taken to a different country, living in a different nation, almost as slaves um, for the people that had conquered them. And so Nehemiah is serving in the king's court in a different nation, um, far away from where he grew up at. And this is the story that we read, Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, in the month of Kislev in the twelfth year, while I was in the citadel of Susa. This is the other nation that he's living in. Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. And they said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. And when I heard these things, I sat down and I wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Now let's pause right there in the passage that we're walking through right here and look at what is going on. Once again, Nehemiah is in a distant land and his brother and some other men come and they're coming from Jerusalem and they're visiting him and he starts to ask, hey, what's going on? What's going on in the city of Jerusalem? What happened to the people that were left there whenever we were carried away in exile? And his brother gives him this report. Hey, there's issues back there. The city gates have been torn down. The walls are torn down and the gates have been burned. And this was a very dangerous situation at that time because that meant that anyone that wanted to could come in and could steal from the Israelites, could take their possessions, could come in and attack them. And there was no defense that they had. So this was a very vulnerable place for them to be in. And he starts to hear this. He hears the report how the city is in disgrace. This was the city of Jerusalem. It was a symbol of the name of God. It was a place that symbolized the presence of God. That's where the temple of the Lord was at that time. It was in the city of Jerusalem. And so Nehemiah's heart is broken, not just for the people, but for the name of the Lord that has now been disgraced. Now the people of God who, who their city has been destroyed and he, his heart is broken. He feels this burden for the people of God during this time. And so he begins to do what? He steps out in prayer. His response when he hears this is to begin to pray, not to just create a plan, not to come up with an idea on his own, not to begin to brainstorm about what he should do. His first response is he steps out into prayer. And he goes to God. He begins to have this conversation with God about what is going on and what's in his heart. And as we look at this conversation, as we look at Nehemiah's prayer, we see this pattern that is powerful for us. And so I want us to continue on um, as Nehemiah begins to pray. This is what he says. This is how he starts his prayer. Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. 
Listen to that. Listen to that wording. Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. As Nehemiah steps out into prayer, he does so with a very specific focus. He starts off with praise. His prayer, as he begins this conversation with God, he begins to declare in praise who God is. Lord, you are the God of heaven. You are this great and awesome God. And I recognize that you are a God of love, that you love those people who love you, God, and who keep your commandments. You're a God who loves us and pursues us. Nehemiah begins his prayer with praise. He begins by declaring who God is. He doesn't start with the problem in front of him. He doesn't start with, God, what is going on? The city is destroyed. Jerusalem, it's it's an utter ruin. And, And what's going on here? What's taking place? No, he begins by praising God. He begins by focusing his eyes on who God is. Not on the situation around him. Not on what is taking place far away from him. Not on what is burdening in his heart. He starts by saying, God, I'm looking at who you are. You're the God of heaven. You are the great and awesome God. That's who you are. God, you created everything. You made everything simply with your word, simply by speaking it out. And Nehemiah begins his prayer by praising God. This wasn't new. Nehemiah knew the stories throughout God's scripture, throughout the Old Testament. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, we see this pattern again with this king named Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat is faced with these other armies coming in, the Moabites and the Ammonites, and they're facing the armies of Israel. And Jehoshaphat knows we're outnumbered, we're outmanned, there is no way we're going to win this war. And he goes to God, and he starts by doing what? By praising God. God, are you not the God who delivered our ancestors? Are you not the God who created us? Are you not the God who called us out? And God responds and says, Jehoshaphat, if you'll go into battle with praise, not with weapons, not with swords, not with spears, not with shields, not with chariots. If you'll simply go out with praise, I'll fight the battle for you. And Jehoshaphat does that. He leads with the priests. They go out, not ready to fight, but ready to sing with trumpets. And the people of God are singing, Lord, your love endures forever. And as they lead with praise, the armies of the Ammonites and the Moabites, they are wiped out without ever One Israelite swinging a sword or or throwing a spear without any of that, God fights the battle for him. Nehemiah knows this. And so he starts with praise because whatever he has, whatever the problem is, he knows that he needs to fix his eyes on the Lord. And that's the issue, church. So many times, I don't know about you, but me, I'm overwhelmed by the problem. My eyes are focused in on the problem instead of the God who can provide. And when all we see is the problem, it becomes overwhelming and we don't know where to start. We don't know what to do. And Nehemiah, as he steps out into prayer, he leads with praise. He doesn't say, God, this is what I need you to do. God, here's my request. He starts by declaring, God, I know who you are. God, you're the creator. You are the great and awesome God. Not with the problems surrounding him, but with who God is and what God is able to do. Nehemiah begins to declare that. He begins to tell himself that. It's probably more for himself than it is God. He's reminding himself, God, I know who you are. You're the God of love. In saying that, he's remembering, God, you didn't do this. God, we are the ones who have caused this exile to happen. He's declaring the praise of God. God, I know that you are a God of love. And church, I want to challenge you as you step out into prayer, as you start 
is that you would start with praise, that you would start by declaring who God is, what he's done in your life. What has he done? His salvation, his redemption, his protection, whatever it is that you would begin to praise him and remember who God is and what he is able to accomplish, not just focusing in on the problem. The word of God challenges us with this. In Psalms chapter 96, verse one, it says this, sing a new song unto the Lord. That means that the songs that we sing, the praise that we have, it shouldn't just happen on a Sunday morning here in this room. I don't know if you guys know this, but I've written hundreds of worship songs. No one's ever going to know them other than me and God, okay, because I don't sing them up here. I'm not a good singer, okay, and the Bible doesn't say that I have to be, but it does challenge me to praise God. And it challenges you to praise God. It challenges you to come up with your own song with your own praise, with your own worship to God, not just relying on some of the amazing songs that Pastor Jason sings up here, but in your own words, you would declare the goodness of God. Whenever you wake up in the morning, whenever you're headed to work, before you turn on the radio, that you would start your day, that you would step out into prayer, but you would let it begin with praise. And you would start to declare, God, this is your salvation in my life. God, I was messed up. I had addictions. I had sin. There were things that had a hold of me. But God, you're the one who saved me. And you start to, in your own words, you start to talk about the redemption of God, healing that has happened when your body, when you were sick, when you were facing some disease, and God showed up and miraculously healed you. In your own words, you begin to sing the goodness of God. You begin to declare to him in praise who he is and what he is able to do. That's what we see in the book of Nehemiah. Church, as you step out into prayer, it should begin with praise. Your eyes should be fixed on the Lord, not on what's going on around you, but fixed on the God of heaven and what he is able to do. That's what Nehemiah does. And then we see other patterns of prayer as Nehemiah continues. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 6, if you still have your Bible open, this is what it says, let your ear be attentive. This is Nehemiah praying. And your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. He starts by looking at God by praise, but then secondly, he looks at himself. God, I know this is who you are. He starts with praise, but as he steps out into prayer, he's honest and open about God. This is who I am. God, this is who we are as a people. He steps out into a prayer of confession. God, I need to be honest with you, Lord. This is where we're at. And he doesn't try to hide it. He doesn't try to um, cover up the problem like, God, um, something's, wrong. something's gone wrong, Lord. And we've been placed in exile. No, he's honest. God, we've done this to ourselves. God, we've disobeyed you. God, we've dishonored you. We've not kept your laws, Lord. We've not looked at your word and applied it to our life. God, we tried to do this on our own, and we've gotten ourselves in this situation. God, we sinned against you. And so many times we just look at that problem when we think, well, God let this happen or God caused this to happen in our life when we may need to take a step back and be honest and say, no, Lord, we did this. God, what I'm facing right now, it's because I allowed sin 
in my life or it's because of the sin and the brokenness going on in the world around me. Nehemiah steps out into this prayer of confession and it does something. There's something that happens when we're open and when we're honest with God and we're willing to confess who we are. Not just focusing on who he is, but we're willing to be honest and not try to hide our sin from God and actually open up and say, God, this is who I am. Many of you, you, you probably watch TV shows and a lot of the new TV shows are like Law and Order or CSI or Blacklist, these kind of shows. They're building up, there's this tension and, and someone's guilty, someone's committed some crime and, and this resolve happens. The tension in the story is relieved whenever the guilty party confesses, right? Whenever they're honest and in the courtroom or, or something, there, there's a release that takes place whenever they confess, hey, I was the one who committed the crime. I, I did that murder. And all of a sudden, the, the person that you thought was guilty is freed. There's something that happens in our life. There's resolve to the story. The story can move and progress forward when we're open and honest with God. When we're not trying to lie about it, but when we begin to confess, God, this is who we are, Lord. We've sinned against you. God, we've broken your word, God, and not lived how you want us to, Lord. And God, I need to tell you that Nehemiah is not just focused in on his life, not just focused in on him, but the amazing thing about this passage, he confesses the sins of other people. He's standing in between God and other people and crying out, God, we've done this as a nation. God, we've done this as a people. We've, God, we've sinned against you as a whole people, Lord, and that's why we are in exile. And I want you to just stop and think how many of your prayers revolve around you. I know so many of mine, they're about my life. And we see in Nehemiah, he's not just concerned about himself. He's praying for his family members. He's praying for friends. He's praying for people that he knows, people that he's around, and he's confessing their sin to God, saying, God, we've done this, Lord. We've wronged you, God. And I think how many of us, when we look at the problems that our world is facing, we're so quick to point the finger, to fault someone else, some political party or someone that's leading our nation, when maybe the first thing that we need to do is to step out into a prayer of confession and say, God, it's sin. The racial division, the disunity in our nation, it's not because of some political party. It's because of sin, you guys. The brokenness that we see in our nation, the confusion and all of this, the hurt and the pain that's happening, the destruction and the death, it's because of sin, you guys. It's not because of a person. It's we have allowed sin to overtake our life. And we, as the church, we need to stand in the gap. And like Nehemiah, we need to feel that burden that he felt as he wept and as he mourned and he cried out, not for a need in his own life, but for his people. And he said, God, we have been a sinful people, Lord. I'm confessing that to you, God. We've not upheld your word. And church, our prayers can't just be about us. Our spiritual life can't just revolve all the time about who we are. We need to take time in your personal times throughout this week that you turn your face towards others and you begin to cry out on their behalf to God for people that God has placed around you. Those people in your workplace who you know their marriage is failing, their lives are broken, they're struggling students, those other students that are in your class that God has placed around you, you're there for a reason. 
And it's time that as we step out in prayer, we not only pray for the needs in our life, we begin to confess and pray for the needs in other people's life. That's what we see Nehemiah did. He was crying out and confessing and being honest with God for the needs of others. This last thing that we see in his prayer is this. In Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 10, it says this as he concludes his prayer. God, they are your servants and your people who you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. So Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was a cupbearer to the king. And as Nehemiah ends his prayers, he steps out. He's offered praise to God. He's focused in on who God is. He's focused and been honest on who he is through this prayer of confession. He ends by bringing his request. And there's something about this pattern that Nehemiah does as he talks to God, as, as he focuses in not just on the problem, but on God as the provider. All of a sudden, when he, he comes to this end response, when he's been honest about who he is, the answer seems so much more attainable because he's not just relying on himself. He's noticed who God is. He's been honest with who he is. And now he knows, God, I need your help. I can't do this by myself. I can't go as one man and rebuild the city of Jerusalem. God, I'm asking for your favor. Lord, I'm asking for you to show up. I can't do this on my own. When he's followed this pattern of prayer, as he's praised God and declared who God is, as he's been honest with himself, he knows the request that he needs. God, I need your favor. I need your help in doing this. Church, as we step out into prayers, we start with praise as we confess who we are, confess the sins of the nation around us and of people around us. Whenever we come to present our request, it gives us such a different perspective on what we need to ask for. Nehemiah probably didn't start here. He may have had different plans in his mind. And as you read how this thing played out, it probably wasn't his ideal, but God knew exactly what he needed. God granted his request. And Nehemiah ends, he comes and he says, God, I know what it is. I need you to work on my behalf. God, I need you to show up in a way that I can't do it on my own. God, I'm trusting in you. And so he asks, God, give me favor. It made me think of this story that I heard. And I think I may have shared it before in this room. It's about a dad and his son, and they were going on an evening walk together. And this son had this brand new shiny wagon. It's a red wagon. He had put some toys and different stuff in there. And he was just a little boy and he was dragging it behind him as him and his dad were going on this walk. And they were talking and they came to a part in their street where he had to lift the wagon up onto the curb. And the son is pulling it and he, he pulls it and he's trying to struggle and, and he's pulling with all of his might, but he can't get those front wheels up onto the curb. And so he sets down the handle and he walks around to the back and he thinks, well, pulling didn't work. And so he starts to push, push with all of his might and he's struggling and he's fighting and, and he can't do it. And the dad's encouraging me. He's like, hey, you can do this. And the son's like, no, I can't. Finally, he just sits down in frustration. Tears are welling up in his eyes. And the dad says, have you tried everything? And he's like, yeah, I've done everything. I can't do it. It's impossible. And the dad looks at him and he says, no, you've, you've not asked me for help. The son looks up and says, dad, can you help me? And the dad just picks up the wagon, didn't take any effort at all, sets it up on the curb and they continue walking. 
And I think so many times, church, our eyes are focused on the problem. We're focusing on how overwhelming it seems, and we throw up our hands, and we're saying, God, I I can't do this. It, It seems impossible if we'll just step out into prayer. We'll fix our eyes on who God is. We'll be honest about our limitations and who we are. And we'll ask for God's help. He'll show up, church. He'll do what seemed impossible. He'll do whatever it is that we need, that request that we have. Hebrews 4.16, the Hebrew writer challenges the church and he says this, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. He's reminding the people of God, hey, you don't have to be bashful. When you come to God, you come with confidence because it's his grace and his mercy that meets us at the place of our need. Church, I wanna challenge you with that. This year as you're stepping out into prayers, you're making prayer a priority as you're seeing every day in my life, God, I know that I need to have conversations with you, that you would start by fixing your eyes on him, by praising him by reminding yourself who he is, by being honest whenever there are issues in your life, confessing that sin, not trying to hide them, not trying to cover them up, but being honest, God, you know who I am. Lord, this is what I've done. And when you do that, church, those requests, those needs in your life, whatever situation you're facing, it doesn't seem that overwhelming anymore. You know, God, you are able to meet the need in my life. And I want to pray for you this morning, church. I'm going to ask if you would bow your head and close your eyes this morning. I just want to ask if there's anyone, and as you're starting off this year, as we've been talking about conversations, having a conversation with God, you you would be honest and you would say, Aaron, I don't even know where to start. Maybe you're like the people of God and like we've all been at one point where you're still trying to do it on your own and you're trying to fix your life by yourself, but you're quickly realizing that you can't. You can't do it on your own. And Jesus is here this morning. He's inviting you into a relationship with him. He's inviting you, giving you a brand new start to your life. If you'll simply accept his invitation. And if that's you in a moment, I'm going to invite you to come forward right here to this stage. And I want to pray with you. The word of God is very clear. It says that we've all sinned, we've all messed up, we've all broken our relationship with God and we're separated from him. And although we can't fix it on our own, God knew that and so he gave his son. Jesus came and he died on the cross. He gave his life for you and for me to cover our sins and to restore us back into a right relationship with God. And this morning, if you're here and you're saying, man, I need that, I need that fresh start. I need to be honest with God about who I am and not try to cover up my sins. I need that right relationship with God. If that's you, would you just stand up right where you're at and come forward? I want to pray with you. God's here this morning. He's inviting you. I'll wait just a moment. Don't want you to miss this opportunity. If God's tugging at your heart, if you feel something inside of you and you know You need to respond. If there's no one here in that situation, church, I want you to look at me, if you will, for a moment and want to challenge you. We're 
together as a church going to respond to this message. And we're going to take the next 21 days to do that. We're going to step out into prayer together. And I want us to commit to, over the next 21 days, to take a few moments. It can be, maybe you're just starting out and you're like, I'm new to prayer. So maybe for you, it's just one minute. For others, maybe it's 5, 10, 15. Maybe it's even longer that we are together as a church. We're going to focus in on stepping out into prayer. We're going to praise God as we do that, but we're going to bring some needs that we have in our personal lives, in our community, in the city around us. There's different prayer focuses. So today, as you leave, I want to encourage you, grab one of these cards. The ushers are going to be handing them out, and you're going to see needs listed on there every day. There's a scripture focus, and I want to challenge you to read the Word of God and then to pray that over your life and over our city and over our community, our national leaders. We're going to be praying for our schools. We're going to be praying for friends who don't know Jesus yet, that this year would be their year, that God would open up their hearts, praying for teachers that teach in our school system, that God would be there every day, using them as an example for the kids around them. Church, we're going to pray together for the next 21 days and start this year off right, focusing our prayer and believing that God is gonna meet the needs that we're lifting up to him. So I wanna challenge you to do that, but this morning we're gonna kick that off tomorrow. So on Monday, it's gonna start, you're gonna see that, but today we wanna start like Nehemiah started. We just wanna end this service by fixing our eyes on God. Now I'm gonna ask if you would stand with me this morning as we conclude this service, and we just wanna declare who God is. We wanna end this service by praising him and declaring his goodness over our lives. So church, would you lift up your voices this morning and let's sing this out as we close together.